Good day to all our listeners and welcome to the Temba Tandega Leadership Institute podcast, specialists in organizational behavior. In this podcast, we discuss leadership and staff engagement and how organizations can improve on both. It is simple economics. If leaders focus on staff engagement, their people stick around in their organization. If they stick around, they build better relationships with customers and provide a superior service. This leads to satisfied customers who become repeat customers and advocates for your business, which leads to exponential growth and profitability. If you want to increase profitability through staff engagement, stick around and listen to this podcast. We will focus on themes from Herman Duplessis' book titled Lead with Intent. Herman is the founder and director of TTLI. Links of where you can buy the book are available in the description area of this podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, or let me say good day, because I don't know what time people are going to listen to this podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode. Um, We have with us uh, the Chief Marketing Officer uh, of Old Mutual, Masala Phillips. He's an experienced marketing and brand commercial strategy executive. He's been with Alt Mutual since uh, 2021 and spent more than 16 years in the FMCG industry with Procter & Gamble. He has extensive experience across multiple brands. He's also uh, had mark, uh, um, regional market responsibilities ac- across Europe, the Middle East and Africa. He's lived and worked in South Africa, Switzerland, Kenya and Ghana. He holds a BSc in Electrical Engineering from the University of Cape Town and is currently completing... Oh, have you done with that? With the London Business School? Okay, so he's completed that. So as CMO, uh, 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 he is also responsible for a 178-year-old 11 billion financial services company brand. That's a huge responsibility. Founded in 1845... Old Mutual, which is headquartered in Cape Town, offers insurance, asset management, and also banking services to individuals, institutions, and corporate uh, customers. It operates in South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Eswatini, Malawi, Zimbabwe, South Sudan, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Ghana, Nigeria, and China through branches and tied angels. It is the strongest insurance brand in South Africa and in the world. Mm-hmm. Incredible. And in South Africa overall, the eighth strongest brand, you moved from number 10 to number eight. Musala, it's an honor to have you on our podcast. Um, just before the podcast, Musala spent some time with the directors of TTLI and uh, we were hanging on your lips. So really, thank you so much for your time. We learned so much from you already and we're glad to share uh, you with all our customers as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So, Masala, let's start. Tell us more about Old Mutual and everything the business currently does. For sure. Um, I think in that intro, um, you've captured um, really everything. I think uh, at the moment, uh, the key highlight for us is what you you, you just um, mentioned. Um, in um, this, this week, the Brand Finance Report, which is a study done across 38 countries um, around the world and is one of the independent 
brand evaluation um, reports, which tries to um, solve and link up the brand value as well as the financial performance. Okay. Um, you know, and the great thing about it, it's how independent it is in the methodology that's used. So, um, and really getting customer views and it's very standardized across and to get the results that, um, you know, we're the strongest brand in, strongest insurance brand in South Africa, but not only just in South Africa, but also in the world. That's incredible. Um, you know, and, um, and yeah, and I think one of the things that when we went through the details of the study to see what have been the key drivers is really the trust um, mm. that the customers have put on this brand. That as a CMO, I'm quite honored um, to be working on this amazing giant mm. of a business um, and also seeing the progress, you know, and uh, absolutely in the last two years um, also, you know, it gives one encouragement to mm -hmm. see the work that one has put in um, and seeing progress. Mm -hmm. um, we've moved to number eight from number 10. And then the year before that, we moved from 12 to 10. Okay. Um, in, in South Africa brand. So it's, it's a good progression. Yeah, um, that's the way you want to move. That's where you want to move. <laughs> and also as well in terms of business-wise, um, you know, we come from a, a tough period, um, you know, with COVID etc you can imagine the, the claims etc yes. so our business results as well from 2022 were quite good and quite strong okay um you know recovering beyond um even the COVID, so which is which is good so things are moving in the right direction okay um, no doubt uh, from 2019 um you know there was a little bit of drama in the news without elaborating a little <laughs> bit more uh, <laughs> you know it's just been a series yeah. of really tough challenges but um, the current leadership um, and the strategies and really sticking and, you know, keeping the customer first, mm. you know, and and really getting on and putting the plans and being, you know, resilient and focused yes. in executing, um, we can look back and really be proud that, you know, not only from a, from a finance performance of the business, but also from the brand strength to see how things uh, have been moving so okay. it's actually a, a good year and a good um, week for us okay wonderful i was so surprised last year i was at that uh, marketing day of yours your mm -hmm. strategy day and i mean you had all your um, your top managers there just how strategic you were um, you know in in your approach because uh, the idea you sometimes get with marketers you know and and, you know, this is what a client told me once. It's just the lollipop and balloon brigade. You know, yeah. those are the marketers. But but actually, um, you know, just going through that day and seeing what it is that you did with your team. You know, I was so surprised at how focused and strategic and determined your team is. Um and I mean, it was it was it was just great to see that because I don't think that's the perception people have of marketers. For sure, um, you know, unfortunately, as this, as they say, that perception is reality, yes. um, and there is there's some element of truth to the balloon uh, brigade, if you use the example. Mm. But at the same time, um, you know, it's a challenge that I have for myself. And I hope that the whole marketing community 
um, can do it's really be commercially uh, minded mm. um, and and get the marketing the right seat in the commercial table um, you know and I think there's two things um, for me that one um, I was at PNG before joining all mutual mm. um, for almost 16 years and I think the the beauty of marketers from consumer goods is that you are driving the PNL. You know, you've got the PNL yeah. responsibility, the commercial side of the business. It sits in that function. So, yes. what it does is that it it puts the customer in the center and puts the brand in the center, mm-hmm. and all other um, I can say expertise are supporting and gravitating towards this. Yes. Right? And I think it's because of the nature of the business, because people go to the shelf to go and choose the product. And yes. every time they go to the shelf, you know, depending on the product um, that you sell, some are daily, like bread and milk. People go daily to choose whether they're going to buy your brand or not. Yes. Some are monthly, some are weekly. So that high frequency, mm-hmm. um, it forces because it's not like there's a lot of people can interrupt along the way to make someone choose a different product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the marketing does the hard work to convince people and it's so volatile, it's moving, hence maybe fast moving consumer goods. Yes. So that experience has has helped one to look at the business holistically. Okay. You know, you, you, you have to get your head around the logistics, you know, so that because the part, if the logistics is not right, it can impact the quality of the product when it lands at the shelf or it's too expensive, then you have to price for it, then it impacts your pricing. So it helps to have that whole um, holistic piece, right? And what I've been focusing on is really focusing our priorities and marketing to the business priorities. You know, when I arrived, um, I went on a tour with a different business unit. And so you can tell me what your priorities, tell me what you're trying to do. Okay. The next question was, what is a customer problem you're trying to solve? Is that related, you know, is a solution that you're building relevant mm-hmm. to the customer issue? And then after I spend time there, then only then I start spending time in the marketing. Uh, so, okay, what is the marketing plans that you have, etc.? Mm-hmm. And if it was not connecting to the business priority and not connecting to the customer problem, then that solution that we're working on is marketing was disconnected was irrelevant so either we drop the plans we create a new ones or we amplify those things so for me the question will always be that whatever we are doing what business problem and customer problem are we trying to solve for uh, and bring in that that commercial and 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 business lens and for the last two years we're starting to see that um, those those work paying dividends okay. so so definitely I think um, the marketing um, profession um, is really such a critical, um, critical, critical profession. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we get our marketers to look at things from a business lens and a customer lens. Because everybody bring in expertise, right? So in insurance, you have actuaries then who come in on a product development space. Then you have uh, sales advisors coming in mm-hmm. you know um, from that space so everybody's coming IT coming in to make sure that the technology experience etc and all of us have the same objective it's really for the customers to choose us 
yes um, on that journey okay and if marketing is not playing a role in the space starting first on helping the business on what the customer wants, wants yeah. and need and bringing the competitive lens to be distinctive um, you know then when then the actuals might end up designing a product because they think it's meaningful but mm. we don't know if it's not mm. then the IT and the digital and development developing the apps might not be developing on the right for the right custom experience and then the last piece the balloons and the creative mm. communication that's the last 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 <laughs> thing um, that yeah. we should be because that's like the the creative transformation yes and that's the last piece um, but it needs to connect to the rest of the other other fronts. Mm. So you know, I remember what I was saying to when I joined um, to the team. I was like, we won't celebrate awards or achievements that are brand related when the business is not doing well. Yes, you know, and with the the brand finance, I'm like, then we celebrate because it correlates. The brand strength is moving, but the business also moving in the right direction. Mm. You know, um, because then you know that what you are doing is helping ultimately yeah it's adding value adding value yeah good so i think just overall how is the company doing uh where does old mutual find itself i know there's some changes uh we spoke about that earlier as well sure yeah um i think it's it's very public news um you know we're working on um, launching a bank okay um yeah, and it's um, it's one of those that um, you know, though it's an old brand, it's very you know strong brand, um, but things are moving and evolving, right? And we, it's important that uh, we evolve with the customers' needs and how the competitive landscape um, is moving and shaping. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of new exciting things coming up. We we, we also went to extend of establishing a dedicated separate business unit next 176 which we launched it uh, about two years ago it was uh, our 176 birthday okay right? and it said next 176 this is okay what are, what is the plans for the next yes. uh, 176 and hence the name next 176 <laughs> um and it's really you know to get this team to focus without the daily business targets without chasing the, the day-to-day focus on future innovation um, for the business. So there'll be a lot of interesting things that are will be coming coming through. Um, you know, if you don't innovate, um, that's you, know, true. You, not, you not survive. Yeah, but that's exciting, man. I think that's great. I know you hinted at that last year at your event. Sure. Uh, but that's great. What is that, October last year? Hey, time flies. I can't even remember. Yeah, October, November. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, at your event, I spoke about my book. Sure. Uh, thank you for the invite. I really appreciated that. Uh, what has been your impression of the book Lead with Intent, Masala? Um, has it, I, and I loved it. Um, hence, that's why I invited you to come through to talk to the organization. Yeah. Um, we are not in, in, uh, in need of... I can say leadership books. Right? Yeah, there's so many of them. Exactly. Um, but for me, the, what stood out for me on this, for this one specifically, is the practicality of it. Yes. One, it's it's relatively concise. Um, you know, it's written quite easy to read, and I love 
um, the, the principle, um, you know, the framework that you use across the whole, yes. the whole book. Yeah. The principle, the practice, practice. and the cultural impact. Yes. And, you know, it gives a um, very clear upfront when you get in, you know, what is the principle that you're trying to apply what you're expecting to do and which practical things. And examples that you, you use as well are relatable and simple. And what I like as well, not all of them are just business. Yes. Um, <laughs> example, but personal, which yeah. actually it, even though probably as the target audience, um, you know, from your business and from the clients that you have is business focused, but I like how it's written because I can give it yeah. to even a teenager. Exactly. Um, you know, to read because the principles for me, they they apply. Um, also, challenge one in terms of you know being a husband. Uh, yeah. You know, on those on those <laughs> principles. So so I like the the practicality of it. I like the okay. the simplicity of the book. I like the the example because it just helps to yeah. cement things. So it's That's very it. practical and straightforward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, you know, I think. Uh, the, the book was close to 300 pages originally. It's, it's only 170 now. And the, the first time we gave the book to people to read, and I mean, it wasn't Word. So I gave it to a couple of people who I trusted to read. They all said it's too long. You know, we don't have time to read books that are longer than 200 pages anymore. So we actually edited the book down to 170 pages. And I think the reason it's written so simply is I'm Afrikaans. <laughs> So I had to write in my second language, you know, which was quite tough. <laughs> but um, so uh, it, we, we actually have schools now purchasing the book for, for, you know, student leaders, which is incredible. So I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, because I think people want to read something that's easy to read, but it is profound. It can help me in some way, you know, and, and we're hoping the book will do that. Um, so we're very excited. Okay, so you and I, Masola, are going to chat about Chapter 9, Resilience is the Principle, The Practice is Legitimate Suffering, and the Impact on Your Culture is Tenacity and Perseverance. So first question I have for you, what does resilience mean to you? Yeah, um, I think res resilience for me um, is the... The energy to continue when the surrounding and anybody will say to you, we understand why you quit. Okay. Right. So when um, you're going on, when the, the conditions, the environment will deem it acceptable for you to quit. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I so, like that. Because you have to convince yourself yes. and and also others to continue when you kind of like you understand you mm. know you know like you, you see you see it like in marathon runners yes you know um, some cases people are crawling yeah to the line right it would probably be acceptable for them to stop yes right people will be like we understand why you stopped <laughs> <laughs> but. They rather crawl <laughs> than to stop, and yeah. for me, that's that's resilience. That's a great image. Eh? I, I like that a lot. You know, when everybody thinks it's okay to quit, you have to convince yourself to continue. 
Why do you think resilience uh, is important in business? Because business is up and down. Um, you know, um, you win today, you lose tomorrow. Um, you have a great tomorrow's a mistake happens. Um, you have drama with customers. Uh, competition launches a whole new product. Um, you know, and uh, and it's really it's it's really necessary. And because the beautiful thing about it, which is a challenging piece about it, is that because when you talk when you say why is it important for business to be resilient, mm. you can always think about it in terms of abstract and the business principles and everything else. Yes. But actually, it's the people. Yeah. In the organization, yeah, that need to continue to believe, and you know, stay the course, yeah. even though when you, you know, it's like sometimes like going to the gym. Um, the first day is painful. <laughs> you know, um, then you go in and do leg day, then you can't walk. Yeah. Um, and you have an idea of. The body you want, <laughs> but you look at the mirror, you still don't have that body. Yeah. It's gonna take a while. <laughs> it's gonna take a while, um, and you're gonna get it wrong. And the business needs to be to be resilient because the magic is only in the people. Mm. Um, and and sometimes when you think about the resilient people, think that people need to work longer hours, or you know resilience that people need to take, you know, um, you know, toughen up. Yes. Um, which I like in this principle, which I think we'll get into it in the terms of legitimate um, suffering. Yeah. But I think there's a difference between toughen up mm. um, and and having a coach that says, I believe you can do it. Yes. You know, it's painful, it's hard, yeah. um, but let's do it. And because business, this, this it's, it's really the people element. I like that. You know, I think that's a good distinction just to say, look, Resilience is important to business because the magic is in the people. Correct. You know, and if you can keep them going, business will take care of itself. Correct. In a big way. So uh, how are you helping leaders and managers in your team to lead with more resilience? Yeah. Um, one, if, if I'll, I'll, I'll talk big principle and I'll zoom in. Okay. My my job, um, one it's is to create a tomorrow mm. and help people paint a tomorrow that is not necessarily the one they're thinking about. Yes. Um, or aspirational enough. The next thing I need to do is to describe to them the environment that they're in, so yes. they're rooted in yeah. in reality. And then I need to explain to them the journey. Yes. And it's important in that Jane explained to them um, potential pain points. Mm. And also need to and describe to them what the consequences of not being able to deliver it will be like, but what will be the rewards of mm. that being able to do that. But most importantly is to help them what support they're going to get from you. Yes. To make it happen. Financial could be training, could be resources, mm. and everything else. Yeah. And consistency is important through that time. 
and me being consistent is very important mm. um, and also give people feedback on the spot not delaying it yes a little bit yeah a little bit later and I think that's powerful you know uh, two episodes ago Sizwe and I discussed integrity and uh, we spoke about that how it helps people if you give them the feedback right now uh, because in a way that gives them the reality to work with you know okay. but if I don't get the feedback immediately and I continue in the wrong direction for me to get back to center then is going to be tough so that early accurate feedback is is so important in helping people change immediately and not eventually yeah which I think is important yeah now one last point on that one is that I always say don't do people's jobs yes Right. But isn't that legitimate <laughs> suffering? Yeah, <laughs> you know. But the thing, like you, you, it's it's like. I'll stick with the gym analogy. Yes. Um, you. You you can be a personal trainer, that, um, you can this, you know, when someone is squatting and like they can't they can't go up. <laughs> yeah. You have two options, you can. Take the barbell, lift it up for them. Yes. Or you can support them underneath yes. their elbows. Yeah. And help them push up. Yeah. Right. Um, and and is that that resilience piece, you know, it's knowing when to step in, know them to help them, but you're not doing it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're supporting them versus, you know, cheating. And if there's one more rep to go. You don't say to them, nah, I think it's done. It says, let's go, I'll support you. Let's go, one more. Yes. Right, etc. And yeah. that's the only way you can build yeah. the resilience, right? So you don't do it for them. You just support them through the process. Definitely. So, I mean, I think that's my next question. How do you help team members to experience legitimate suffering? I mean, if you look at your event last year, yeah. obviously you didn't put it all together. Mm-hmm. You had a whole team who did that. So, mm-hmm. so in a way, how do we help people to suffer because I see a lot of people in the corporate environment they do other people's work they bail them out too soon and the guys don't get the opportunity to suffer themselves so that they can learn but why are they doing it right they're doing it because they care more about protecting them and protecting their scorecards yes um, than to allow people to fail right because the problem is that if, if if you fail, um, it reflects on you as a leader. Yeah. Right. And this is this is where it's the homework that you need to do upfront. Mm. Um, so there's a um, you know one of principles and books um, I read and went on a training on situational leadership. Yeah. Which is very important. Mm-hmm. You know um, that you understand the team members and their strengths. And, and their maturity, mm-hmm. that you assign the right jobs to the right people. Because yes. in all the, the scenarios, you need to allow for room for illegitimate uh, suffering. suffering. But you, you need to also manage the risk of, if I give it to this person, what is the risk? Mm-hmm. So if at the beginning you know that this person does not have the right capability and experiences, etc., and they can do 50, give them a project that's like 60. Mm. Right? That is enough to stretch them, mm. but you know that the room of difficulty. Mm. Don't give them something that's 100 because then there's more room. 
and also again most importantly is managing expectations mm. up and down yes you know and as a leader your job is to really manage up <laughs> you know so so communicate that you know what i'm giving this project to this person yeah it's gonna stretch them there might be room for error mm. but obviously you know this project is a big one it's a small one yes it's the new manage up absolutely right? and if things are starting to go wrong it's that can manage up mm. um so obviously it's it's every project and every business situation there's the different level of risks um that you that you have mm. but if you haven't done that homework mm. up front then you find yourself in the situation where mm, i need to bail out because then um if <laughs> they fail this money i'm the one my head is on the block yes. And when it's like that, people rather survive themselves and sacrifice their team members. Yes, yes. Uh, you mentioned such an important point now is to do the homework beforehand. But that is the intentional part. I'm actually, I've actually thought about this, how I want to develop this individual and how I need to empower them to be able to do this and stretch them in the process. And I've managed expectations. So there's a lot more than just giving people work and hoping that they will succeed. But what I've seen in the corporate environment, that's how most people lead. They just delegate and let it go. The guy fails, he gets punished. Mm. If he succeeds, great, I'll give him more next time. You know, But I like your approach because it's very much what we try and explain in the book. It's, it has to be intentional. Uh, and the first point for us is you as a leader need to be a non-anxious presence because mm. sometimes when the leader walks in the room the pressure the mm. you know the anxiety goes up and what you want as a leader is walk into the room and you actually bring the anxiety down because people feel safe with you they'll be open with you and then i mean you can be honest with them as well and tell them this is the expectation this is what you need to do and this is how i can support you in the process but that's hard work and, I, and, and leadership doesn't come off the cuff. It's hard work. And that's what I like about your answer. You know, there is a, a lot of work that goes into it you know, before you get the results you want in terms of legitimate suffering. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Right. So how does perseverance manifest itself in your team? <clears throat> Where have you seen it with your guys? Um, I guess I think I go with when I when I um, when I joined, right? So you know, one one of the tough things, and it's uh, and many many leaders um, sometimes we hate this, and um, we struggle to do this at times. Um, when I joined, um, one of the things that I had to agree with the team that we need to have the right team right mm -hmm. uh, with the with with the leadership that you need to give me room to appoint the right team okay right and and it's a very tough time because there's implications mm -hmm. um, now there are those who leave, who stay behind etc there's a lot of anxiousness there's a yes. new leader in town yes he's making changes he's talking us but you know being data-based you know, thing. He's an engineer. 
<laughs> Here comes with a whole lot of data. We have, we have engineers <laughs> in marketing. Why is it turning this thing into a science? Yes. It's an art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, and he is, you know, very straightforward and transparent a lot of things. And we've seen some of our friends leave. Mm. Right? And I'm going to stick around. Mm. You know, he's... He's decided I'm going to be in the bus, I'm going to be in the team, but will I cut it? Yes. Till when, you know, um, or will he, you know, also later come back and say, okay, cool. Here's the letter. They don't know me. They've never heard of me before. Um, coming from a whole different industry. Yeah. You know, and they had to see through, you know, they had to show up, mm-hmm. you know, and some did not even understand half of the, some of the concepts that I was talking about, um, taking them for capability and for training and everything yeah. else. And waking up every day, you know, um, to come come to work, which is their livelihood. Right? Yes. They got family responsibilities. And this guy's coming in says we have to change these things and change that. And that for me, it's one of those things that I highly, highly appreciate because it's people, you know, Put in trust whether in the, of course the misbag right it's the misbag in terms of that those who are there because you know they don't have alternatives mm-hmm. that's right in, during during COVID mm-hmm. right it was tough so it's like yeah. okay cool when I leave I'm gonna go where yeah exactly right but there were those also in the same same who were there because they kind of like believed the message and they were that's like I'm here because I want to see how this movie. Right, I don't want to hear people say, "Hey, this is how I want to be here to see it." And you have that mixed bag, but all three of them, whichever camp that is, they require perseverance, you know, to see through and then start implementing the plans, without the results as yet. And say, so, "Okay, he said we have to do it this way. I'm doing it. Will it work or not? I don't know." Um, and then you see the results that's coming through, right? And and I, that's for me is one of those say, I think I've seen my team had to had to yeah. persevere yeah. Uh, to see this thing through, and I I'm, I'm great I'm very grateful okay um, for, for for their commitment um, mm-hmm. and sticking through and actually executing with excellence, mm-hmm. um, not knowing what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> not knowing whether actually I was even gonna stick around yeah. <laughs> myself, yeah. uh, and not knowing what the results were gonna look like. Yeah. Usually when I <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> interact with um, corporates. Um, the guys who are highly organized, well-structured, know what they do, are the finance guys or whoever, you know, uh, <laughs> and never the marketers. Whereas with your team, you know, I, I found working with them, it was quick, it was easy, it was comfortable, there was a lot of clarity, you know, so I think everything you just said is true because I could see that and experience that. You know, they they had clarity, they had drive, a very structured, very organized team. You know, which was great, uh, because sometimes you know, you go into companies, you you don't know what to do, where to do, when do you start, when do you finish, mm. and I think um, that experience for me that day with you guys was incredible. No, happy to hear that. Yeah. So do you have a personal story of resilience that you can inspire other leaders other leaders with? Yeah. Um it's 
it's a very simple story. It's not it's not that that deep, but it's maybe it's because of the lessons um, from from that that I was still very 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 um, relatively junior in my career. Um, so I used uh, and it was when when you know I was a junior manager um, in, in Switzerland, um, and I had a manager who was obsessed about writing, like analytics and writing. <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> and it's one gift that I look back, highly appreciated. Okay. Right. Um, and we, I had a report that I had to work on and had to release to um, our ESCO then. Mm. Now, I'm in a foreign country. Yep. Um, and the Swiss or... Swiss, but he was not even Swiss. He was Israeli. Oh, okay, gosh. He was he, he was a captain in the Israeli army. Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and you know, away from home, away from family yeah. and everything, and I had to work on this report. Um, I went through hundred and two revisions. Wow, hundred and two. Now, this number is in. You know, it's drilled in my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and he wanted to see a revision every day. It broke me to the core because mm. after I thought this report was done, as per his feedback, there was something, there was something, this mm. word and whatever it is. And he grilled me mm. on writing to a point where I was like, what is, I don't know what this guy wants from me anymore. Um, but walking out of that, um, and I had to persevere, right? And I just yeah. my, and it was like, it's your report, you know, and you can just imagine how many days, if it's 102 revisions, right? For this report that we started writing it, you know, way back, almost a third of the years going, and I'm writing on the same report, mm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, what is What's next? What's next? Like, almost like, you know, a third of the year is gone. I'm still working, working on one document. Yes. Um, but I look back, of course, yes, my writing um, improved significantly. But actually, what I walked out and, and asking me, what, what did you learn from this mm -hmm. whole experience? I think for me, the most important thing was sharpening my thinking. Mm. because really the whole point of report I see people like report writing it's you know, just chunking out but not wrestling wrestling with why did things happen the way they happen mm. you know peeling the onion and wrestling and wrestling to a point where you are you have strong conviction of whatever recommendation that you're putting forward you have well thought through you have analyzed you have found data to try and counter your own argument and arguments to counter your own arguments mm. and support it. But whatever comes out of your, your, your computer, whatever it is, it's so clear and it's well written and it's well explained yeah. that it's easy um, for, for someone to, to, to read. And also one thing I, re I grew up to appreciate that writing is probably the most powerful tool mm. to lead. Mm. Um, you know, because especially now, I'm leading an organization of 270 odd marketers. Mm -hmm. It's almost difficult 
to have one-to-one and have meetings. Yeah, you can't do that. Right, uh, etc. Um, working across the different um, organizations and stuff, mm. your best tool as a leader is writing and knowing how to write well and yeah. communicate well um, through written uh, communication. And a lot of leaders struggle there. Mm. You know, so this experience actually took you to a whole nother level in terms of your communication through your writing. Um, people think it's about talking, but you're right. I think it's it's shifted. And the higher you move up in an organization, the more it's about writing. Definitely, definitely. And it also helps with your with the you thought know, presentation, yeah, thought process, yeah. and your even when you speak, right? So yeah. when I prepare to, to, to speak, I give presentations. Yes. I speak as how I would write. Yes. You know, in bullet points, what's what's your power sentence gonna be, mm. you know, etc. Almost re, almost writing as well, like writing for a newspaper. What what, what is a key message I want my reader to, to lend? Mm. When someone's picking up this document, you know, first they need to know whether they is this document for the information or they have to approve something, mm. they need to act on it or whatever. Yes. It needs to be clear and it needs to be clear if what how they need to act and if they don't act. And then, most importantly, if money is going to be involved, <laughs> they need to know very quickly if money is involved and whether they want to get it in return, mm. you know, before they read the whole body of things. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. I mean, I, I remember writing my thesis, you know, I think I had about 20 revisions, but I think 102 <laughs> is on another level. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts, Masala? Anything that you feel could be helpful to people listening to us today? Yeah, and I think uh, you know, thinking on the the on this chapter, um, and I think one thing that I liked in, in, in this chapter as well, talking about how we, and, and I remember you even said this um, in the in the presentation as well, the thing about we want to create, we don't want our kids to suffer as much as we suffered. Yes, right, and you were like to us, you know, hey. You are here because of those, yes. those suffering, and you know. And I realize that actually, what we we need to we need to do, it's like how you teach a, ri- a kid to ride a bicycle. Mm. You know, it's always going to be literally impossible that they will not fall. Fall. <laughs> um, but you need to be around to create a, some sort of a safe environment yeah. to do that. And I think there's more and more, like for example, in my son's school, um, I met the great ones, like, ah, no, uh, we're in the shops, like, ah, and my son was wearing his uniform. Ah, you're from this school, yeah, we're playing you guys um, yesterday. You know, and I turned, I said to him, so who won? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, huh? So, okay, cool. Then I was like, okay, mm-hmm. find us, maybe, you know, they're just having fun. And then we went for sports uh, with parents and, and the coach and you talked about no we don't we don't communicate the score of who won and who lost and I'm like oh okay <laughs> why <laughs> no because you know it makes kids feel bad and everything else and I'm just like you know we have all these emotions feeling bad being yes. sad happiness etc yeah but all these emotions are, are good Yes. Um, for our development. They are fundamental. You know, for our development. And unfortunately, when you get 
into the business world because in the schools you're creating this environment mm. that's not real which i'm starting to see creeping coming to to work as well oh. right that that's a big concern forever protecting whatever which then does that it creates entitlement um it creates that you serve me you are the teacher you serve me you are the parent you serve me you are the boss you serve me mm. company you serve me um and and yes there's a balance in, in these things in balance in everything yeah but i'm just worried in general that we, we're breeding a society um that will not be based on truth um we don't know what is right or wrong yes um and uh we, we i'm worried that we're not setting our kids up mm. for success um because only you know it's like people will think what's up with this whole gym analogy um mm. but it's really just only training your upper body and you don't and you neglect your legs <laughs> yeah. and there are many of those guys walking around <laughs> and that's what we're doing is that we're just developing um the positive emotions yes but we don't teach people to yes. manage disappointment and yeah. being sad yeah. and everything else and then we send them to the world yeah um you know have developed yeah and we expect them to cope in that world expect them to cope yeah and um and um yeah i, I think my biggest concern with that is we 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 raise our kids not uh, equipped to deal with reality because reality is good and bad mm. can't be just good at my daughter's school the coaches always say as long as they enjoyed it now that's important <laughs> But please coach the kids properly and give them a drive to win. You know, mm. you compete to win, obviously. You know? yeah. If you want to run for enjoyment, go and run on your own, you know. But you go to an athletics meeting because you compete. You want to see how well you stack up to the others. So, I mean, that's a powerful way to end. Thank you so much, Masala. It's not every day we have a CMO in our office. <laughs> I think people will hear the taxis in the background. So we, this is not Old Mutual's office. This is our office. Just a disclaimer at the end. <laughs> no, thanks for inviting me. I had, I had fun. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, thanks. Uh, we look forward to our next episode. We're almost through the book. And uh, we will com communicate what we're going to do after that. Thanks for listening again. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Temba Tendega Leadership Institute podcast, Specialists in Organizational Behavior. In this podcast, we discuss leadership and staff engagement and how organizations can improve on both. If you need more information to assist you with staff engagement and leadership, please visit our website at www.ttli.co.za or email us at office at ttli.co.za. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Would you like to stand a chance to win a copy of Herman's book titled Lead with Intent? Then please share and like this podcast on your social media platforms. We will contact the winners when the competition ends.